Welcome to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Sunbury Press publishes print, electronic, and audiobooks under a variety of imprints and categories available worldwide wherever books are sold. And now your host, the founder and CEO of Sunbury Press, Lawrence Knorr. We're at the Christian Baker Farm near historic Boiling Springs, Pennsylvania. My guest today is author and professor John Volkmer, the author of Brave in Season, which is a novel out on our Milford House Press fiction imprint. Set in 1950 in the rural Midwest and inspired by real events, this gripping novel explores what happens when an African-American railroad repair crew is dropped into a tiny, tight-knit farm community. Will frictions build to an all-too-familiar American tragedy or contentions be overcome in that uniquely American way on a baseball field? John Volkmer's books include a travel memoir, a collection of poems about grain elevators, and a YA biography of Roberto Clemente. His work has appeared in Common Wheel, Parnassus, Cimarron Review, Main Review, Prairie Schooner, and many other venues. He teaches creative writing at Ursinus College. Welcome, Dr. Volkmer. It's a pleasure to be here, Lawrence. Thank you for having me. Yeah, first thing I'm just going to say as I was reading that intro, the, the uh, collection of poems about, a grain, about grain elevators. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I guess a dusty, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, what's going on with grain elevators that inspired a book of poems? <laughs> I know it's kind of off. But... I, I like to uh, call myself America's foremost grain elevator poet. <laughs> okay. And um, grain elevators also figure prominently in uh, in the book, in the novel, and uh, are pictured on the cover of the book. Uh, my father was a grain elevator man. I grew up... Uh, in my youth working for him and observing him. And so that was imprinted pretty strongly by that. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Having taken a part in designing the book cover, I know there's a grain elevator on there and now I get the connection. So appreciate that. Also the uh, YA biography of Roberto Clemente, also baseball oriented. And this new novel, Brave in Season is, is mostly a baseball novel, I guess you could say, or in baseball uh, attributes to it. Maybe give us a, a quick uh, high-level overview of Brave in Season, what it's about. Well, I think Brave in Season asks this question, um, can America's pastime redeem America's curse? Uh, when we put together uh, uh, African-American railroad crew, all young, strong men, uh, into a farm community, what's going to happen? And um, what I propose can happen, and what I think and pretty sure did happen is that there was a there was a baseball game and um that uh a good time was had by all and any problems were overcome on the field it's a it's a wonderful thing to think about yeah yeah as you say that i'm envisioning the movie john <laughs> <laughs> we gotta push this maybe we don't have to push it on hollywood maybe hollywood will come knocking but uh so 1950s rural midwest um can imagine the uh, the tension that might be there, or the maybe the surprise, or just the unfamiliarity, some of that, like discovering who each other is and what they believe, what they like, what they're into, and baseball becomes the common thread. How how does that happen? Well, um, in order to uh, further the plot, and uh, there have to be some tensions beforehand, and so I invented a plot where the 
young woman who is kind of the town's sweetheart who is 17 years old develops in all innocence a friendship with um, the youngest of the railroad workers who are called Gandhi dancers and he's a boy of just 16 and um, but of course when word gets around town and uh, this is going to rile up tensions and is a sort of a the uh, generator for the the conflict in the plot. Yeah, sounds a little bit like some of the backstory going on in To Kill a Mockingbird. You know, a bit bit different, maybe not quite as stark, right? But a similar similar thing going on. And then, yes. uh, yeah. So, without giving too much away, let's talk about the um, how does baseball become the solution or the the event that that occurs in the book that brings the people together is this like a bet is this like a challenge or is this just something that just happens organically well my research showed me that the little town that I, I based this on Julian Nebraska actually had a very good team and the game is actually fast pitch softball this was all the rage in that day and um there was actually a game of fast pitch softball. Um, I wondered what would happen if um, the African American railroad crew had a ringer among them, somebody who had been on the uh, the circuit, who'd played some pro ball, who could uh, sort of level up this uh, this crew as a as a team in a short time and make a surprisingly competitive game out of the uh what happened when the uh townspeople were expecting kind of a a clown show in the um barnstorming days there was a lot of um horsing around and the the african-american teams were expected to clown around sort of in the way that the Harlem Globetrotters um, sometimes do. And um, so that's kind of how the game comes about. I see. And uh, Julian, tell me about Julian, the town. Of course, that's a real town, right? What- it is a real town. And it's uh, it has a one-block main street. And when I was growing up, it had one store, a general store called um, Jake's, which became uh, Marshawn's in my, in my story. And um, everybody knew everybody else, and um, and uh, yeah, that's a it's a it's a real place. And uh, the the field that I base this on is a real field, and it's still there in Julian, Nebraska. And I'm hoping it will be the site of pilgrimage. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, they're going to put a ballpark there and a cornfield, and you know, if you build it, they will come, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, no, the, you know, the railroad crew asking an element too. I'm guessing Julian, like many places out in the West, uh, spring up along the railroads and, uh, especially as the transcontinentals get, is implemented in the late 1800s and that carries on. I'm also guessing in the 50s, this is like nearing the end of, uh, the heyday of railroads. So, um, well, this was um, what they called desilification. Um, the entire rail system had to be replaced when when diesels came online because they were so much heavier than the steam locomotives. And so that that would be, and that was, the reason that you would bring in a whole crew and park them in a little town, uh, little towns uh, 
up and down the the line to replace the rail because it it all had to be replaced and that was something a bigger job than a local crew or local individuals could do right so where was this crew coming out of were they just kind of going across the west uh, down this line and stop in town to town you know fixing the rails as they went was it like a many months long um like tour they were on it was uh my research showed me that um this actually did happen it was the missouri pacific main line between kansas city and omaha was the was the job and the um the crew would be would just follow the rail little up from kansas city to omaha stopping at a another little town every 20 miles and they would camp out in railroad like bunk cars at the towns and that's what they did in julian and the the wonderful accident i discovered in writing the book was that um the above ground railroad was actually following the route of the underground railroad from a hundred years earlier and this has a lot of significance especially for the black characters right right All right, John, we need to take our first break. We're talking to John Volkmer, the author of Brave in Season. We'll be right back. Listen for the Brown Posey Press podcast, available here on the BookSpeak Network. I'm Tori Gates, and my guests include fellow authors on our fiction imprint, but also other independent and self-published writers, poets, movers, and shakers in the literary world. Listen for current and previous shows here. The BookSpeak Network brings the story behind the stories and their creators here. I'm back with John Volkmer, the author of Brave in Season, which is a new baseball fiction out on our Milford House uh, imprint. And John, talking about the events inspired by real events, you mentioned in the first segment about a fast-pitch softball game. Uh, about you know, t- How did that come about? Was that a similar thing with the railroad crew, or was that m- some other trigger in the, re- the real story? Well, uh, this book started out to be a nonfiction book. I really wanted it to be an account of that actual game. The problem is I started writing it and researching it too late uh, after uh, the year 2000. And uh, a lot of the people who could have told me about it had already passed on, including my own parents, unfortunately. And so I just had the very smallest... um, uh, memories of some people, uh, including my own brother, who was a small child uh, at the time and remembered the game as a as a happy event where mm-hmm. people had a picnic and people got along. This is kind of a spoiler alert, I guess, for the book. Um, but they did have. And um, I went back and tried to research that. And I talked to more than um, 60 different people, elderly people in uh, old folks homes and stuff. And I got a bunch of different fragments, but nothing that could be pieced together for a nonfiction book. That's when I decided to to take the liberty of, of writing a historical fiction. Right. No, I think you've done a great job with it. Um, also, trying to get a sense of the setting, uh, place Julian in relation to some other big towns, or where is this in relation to uh, other uh, other states, other cities? That might be within uh, a few hundred miles. Well, uh, Julian is in Oto County, which is in the near the southeast corner of Nebraska. So it's about 
50 miles um, south of Omaha, and the county seat where um, some of the action of the book takes place is Nebraska City, Nebraska, which was the home of a um, tourist attraction as I was growing up that was called John Brown's Cave, which was um, a kind of sensationalized uh, but but really charming and authentic um, recreation of a cave where um, the the Underground Railroad hid um, runaway uh, workers who were um, trying to get to Canada. And so I grew up with this sentiment of um, of being on the good side, like my town was like part of the Underground Railroad. Mm-hmm. So that, that was part of the... Um, impetus for the book so i mean is that factual was this actually a, a cave uh, utilized by john brown or was it just called that because of his uh his activity further east um it is thought that john the actual john brown visited the cave place maybe once or twice but it is on the national um there is no doubt that the location and an underground sort of dugout cave was used by um the Underground Railroad, and it is known as the the Kagi, the Mayhew Kagi um, cabin, and it is on the national or the state historical register anyway, as a uh, as a historical site. So um, it's it's true stuff, and I'm happy to report. Great, yeah, and it, I know John Brown out in Bleeding Kansas, probably not too far from there. Uh, play, Absolutely, plays a part. Planned his his raid uh, from Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. He was living in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania at the time. I, I've learned this not too long ago. I was, in, I was thrilled by that. I'm like, really? Wow! <laughs> it never occurred to me before Harper's didn't, Ferry. Yeah, right. Yeah, I didn't know that, but I know that they, um, the one of the persons who lived in the cabin, John Henry Kagi, was 24 years old. And he was one of John Brown's top leaders, lieutenants, mm-hmm. and he was killed at Harper's Ferry. Right. And that also comes up in my book. Wow. No, I love the, uh, love the threads that you have, the history. And uh, you had mentioned, it sounds like you grew up in Julian as well, like this was your hometown. Um, um, my family moved to Nebraska City when I was one year old. So I didn't actually grow up in Julian. I grew up in Nebraska City, which is a county seat town of about 7,000 people. So it's also a small town, but it's not like Julian had like 100 or 200 people. It's very small. Yeah. But But Julian wasn't too far away. 10 miles. Okay. Well, yeah. All right. That's like, uh, for me, that's like going to Carlisle (laughs) from from here. Yeah. Okay. Very good. So, um, Tell us uh, a little more about what might go on out in Nebraska, or, or do you think there's going to be some interest in in the book as far as the locals uh, and this story, and how might that how might that go? I sure hope so. I mean, um, I I did my PhD at Nebraska University of Nebraska, and uh, I know Nebraskans love to read about Nebraska, so I'm certainly going to try to uh, to. Uh, promote the book there and I think people will be interested in it um, and uh, I'm looking forward to going back there and uh, visiting people and uh, promoting the book uh, in person in uh, Lincoln and Omaha and the Nebraska City area. My dream is to have a reading 
on the field. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the actual field where uh, it's set. That's That would be really cool. And I'm guessing there is no bookstore there <laughs> in, in Julian. No. Is, uh, the, is that one store still there today? Or is that now defunct as well? It's now defunct as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the building is still there or was the last time. And so... Uh, is the grain elevator in a sad, dilapidated state. Right. Um, so this, this, the town is um, has hard times, although the, the people got together and recently refurbished the one-filled gas station um, uh, that, that uh, somehow survived all the years. And there's a tiny uh, one-pump gas station that they have recently refurbished and put back in pristine condition and that's their start towards uh becoming a tourist attraction so i i've noticed in my travels in different parts of the country like you see the smaller cities spreading out and suburbs and expanding and absorbing these little well i'll call a village or, or small location like uh, julian mm-hmm. or you see Areas that are more depressed, the population isn't growing, people are leaving, and little places like Julian become almost like ghost towns. Is 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 it going in either one of those directions these days, or is it pretty stable? Well, um, Julian peaked in, in population about 1910, and there was a big fire, and most of the town burned down then. And ever since then, it's been it's been uh, just a town of, of a village, really. Of, a couple hundred people and i suppose there's still uh around a hundred people living there and a couple a dozen houses maybe and so it's always been very small but it's always had um the same families when i went back to nebraska city and when i started doing research uh people were very welcoming to me uh one reason was because my family name Volkmer. Um, there's a lot of Volkmers in that in that area, and my my name became a kind of a, a an entryway uh, just because people knew knew my family name and were willing. Talking to John Volkmer, the author of Brave and Season. We'll be right back. Sunbury Press Books is the home of independent and diverse authors. Check out the agency books imprint for detective stories, tales of law enforcement, espionage, terrorism, spy thrillers, and more. Among the works available, KGB Banker by William Burton McCormick, The Apologist, a Luke Lundy novel by A.A. Weiss, and Douglas Brody's Sand or A Once Upon a Time in the Jazz Age. Find these and other fascinating books at sunburypress.com. I'm back with John Volkmer, the author of Brave in Season. John, uh, this this uh, Julian, Nebraska sounds like a fascinating place. And uh, I, I love that it's inspired by real events, the story. Um, won't give away too much more about the plot and the, the way the story ends. But uh, let's just say it's a hopeful tale. Um, anything else you'd like to add about it? Anybody you'd like to thank or endorse? Um Sure. I, I would like to especially thank the Kimmel Harding Nelson Center uh, for the Arts in Nebraska City, Nebraska, where I did two residencies, um, two summer residencies. And during that time, I uh, did the major part of the interviewing and research that I did for the book. And um, they were very helpful and supportive. 
and the people at the Morton James Public Library in Nebraska City uh, were also very instrumental in helping me um, look at 1950s newspapers and other accounts and do a lot of research. So I do feel like I was very well supported and also by uh, my school or sinus college, which um, helped me with um, professional development grants as I um, developed this, this book. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned something about local institutions and I, I do volunteer at a couple of our local historical societies and I'm always reminded that there's local stories that are significant, that are interesting, They're not easily found in searching on the web or digging into national publications or records. You need to go to those local uh, institutions, whether that's a library, historical society, or, or other nonprofit. And uh, th- it's like a goldmine, what's in some of these places that aren't digitized, aren't organized well. And I'm sure you probably you had a lot of help and going through records maybe that uh you know you had to search I, far I and wide yeah and the it, it was sad the um the newspaper the Nebraska city newspaper was saved a lot of it on microfiche or, and um it's deteriorating rapidly mm-hmm. um and so i felt like i was trying to save something that was um also in the process of of going away um and so i'm trying to sort of revive history with a very particular um, perspective on that the spirit of hospitality can help, can overcome the natural tendencies people have to fear the other and to uh, invoke the national sort of narrative of prejudice. And um, and that makes me hopeful to... um, think of the history of Nebraska city and Julian that way. Oh, I agree. I agree. And you know, I'm going to also just say to the audience here, uh, John is teaching creative writing and I can tell you that the novel, very well written, uh, an enjoyable read flows, uh, just wonderfully. And, uh, such a nice tale. Well, well written. I guess, John, a question for you uh, in the last couple of minutes that we have. You've written some very different things. We we kind of joked a little bit about a collection of poems about grain elevators at the beginning. <laughs> but uh, you've done a travel memoir, a uh, biography of Roberto Clemente. Now this baseball novel, which is also about race relations. Uh, I'm trying to imagine where you're going next or what you're worth working on now, but maybe help us out. What direction are you going? It sounds like you get inspired. and It could be just about anything. Um, yeah, I have a, a lot of, um, projects that I would love to work on. This one has occupied me fully for quite a while. Um, I'm also, uh, interested in a poet named Alexander Wilson, who walked from Philadelphia to Niagara Falls in 1804 and wrote a 2000 line poem about the journey. And I think that argument can be made that Alexander Wilson is the true father of American ecology and ornithology. And um, wow. he, he's a, uh, a particular uh, interest of mine. And uh, I would also like to get back to writing poetry and, um, and explore that area as well. Has, uh, was his 2000 lines published uh, in his lifetime or did that... 
Is it out somewhere? Yes, it was. It was published serially in a uh, in a magazine, and it was actually then um, went through like six editions. It was very very popular in the first half of the nineteenth century. Um, he was. It was called the Foresters, okay. and um, it, it was a very popular book in its day. The nineteenth century was characterized by a sort of war between the followers of Wilson and the followers of Audubon. And we know who won that war. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, who the heck's Wilson? I've heard of Audubon. <laughs> right. And that's a lot of that is because Wilson died young. He died in uh, 1812, and Audubon died old. Uh, he, he, he lasted until the 1950, or 1850s. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and he was arguably the better draftsman uh, the better uh, artist Audubon was, sure. but Wilson came first and uh, was the pioneer ornithology of ornithology in the United States. Well, I just love reading the early accounts of travel you know, across the landscape. There was a gentleman who rode by coach out to uh, Pittsburgh in like the early 1800s, and just hearing how he went through the towns from Philadelphia all the way out was it was fascinating for me, you know, the different landmarks and uh, some of the things, of course, still here today, like the, the natural world, but the, the towns are so close together now, whereas they were so far apart back then. John, anything yeah. else you'd like to add in the final minute? No, I'm just, uh, I just want to say that I'm, I'm thrilled that this book is this, I spent many years on this book and I appreciate uh, that Sunbury is bringing, bringing it to, bringing it out and uh, I'm just thrilled that people are going to be reading it and uh, getting this upbeat perspective um, without being I hope without being too um, childish or or too hopeful but a a realistic hopeful narrative of race relations that don't go bad that actually overcome prejudice that's a wonderful way to end I will say uh, completely endorse that. It's a great book, easy read. You don't have to be a baseball fan to enjoy Brave in Season. Thank you for listening to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Check out our website at www.sunburypress.com for our latest releases. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to receive special offers and discounts.